if you remember uh, Joshua, God says, don't worry, I'm going to be with you. Like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And then, then Jesus came, and, you know, it was Emmanuel. It was God with us. And then Jesus said, you know, it's important I go away because then I'm going to send the promise of the Father. And then it says that he's going to be with you, and he's going to be in you. And so God is with us now. And so, yeah, we're going to see him again and be with him in glory when we all go, which I think will be next week, Tuesday. Uh, but uh, he's with us now. And so what a great thing to have our God with us and in us. And I just rejoice in that today. I was just blessed by that enormously, that whole idea of how much he wants to be with us in every way. So if we have some prayer requests this, this evening, I'm sure we do. We need to pray for all those that are sick. Or, or have any kind of symptom or are oppressed by the devil in any way. And uh, we just need to raise them, lift them up in prayer and stand on God's word, the truth of his word, which always comes to pass. So if you'll stand, I want to read a few verses from the Gospel of John that talks about the Spirit of God, as I just mentioned to you. Starting in verse 15 of chapter 14, it says this, If you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, for it does not know him, neither does it, neither does it know him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. For I will not leave you fatherless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Let's go to our God tonight. Father, we worship you. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, that you are with us. You go before us to make a way. You are behind us as our rearward shield and our bullock and our protection. So, Father, we praise you and we thank you for your faithfulness and your truth tonight. We lift up those that need a touch from you, spirit, soul, and body. We pray for those that are lost, Lord, that they would come to know you. We pray for those who are oppressed because they are set free tonight in Jesus' name. We pray for those that are sick, that by the, blood, by the stripes of Jesus they are healed in Jesus' holy name. So, Father, we release healing and deliverance and salvation right now. In the name of our God, Jesus, the Lord, and we just give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen.
just to die for your sins. Oh, I searched until I found you, and I'd do it all again. Now she's talking to her father in a house that was once a home. She said, my bills are coming due, Lord, six Thank you. 
bringing everything to him and just focusing on him, just like <laughs> we were talking earlier, man. Every man thinks he's chasing, he's having his, his, uh, his wife, lady, girlfriend chase after him. But it's, it's that attention that, that we gave. I mean, I was driving from Chattanooga to Gardendale, Alabama every weekend to spend time with my wife, who is now my wife. She's my girlfriend. But, you know, and it's this adoration, right? And it's the, the, the attention that we're putting on it, right? Sometimes we get wrapped up in what's going on in the world. It's because we don't have our attention in the right spot, right? If we put our attention and our adoration in him, you know, it'll, I'm telling you, it, it reaps a harvest, right? It is worth more than anything else that we can attain in this world. So let's sing this chorus and just, just sing it like it was the first time you, when we first accepted Christ as our Savior, we realized how much he loved us. Right?
Let's just stay in the presence of the Lord and give him the praise that he's worthy of. It's just good to be in the presence of God.
received. remember tonight's service this week when you're going through the, the week and your eyes get focused on something else. Remember the presence of the Lord that you can enter at any time. I'm going to ask our ushers if they come forward at this time. So as we bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord, let us remember his faithfulness. This is as much worship and praise we give our God as the singing we do and the other things we do. For the Bible says that he has given us the power to get wealth. And he has a purpose for his church and we give into that for the kingdom and for the harvest that will come about. So give unto the Lord with a cheerful heart. And know that it's he that provides all your needs. So, Father, we just come to you tonight. We ask you to bless this offering. We ask you to multiply it a hundredfold for your purpose and for your glory. Let it touch the hearts of many that they may come to know you. For we sow it into good ground. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. forward to the word tonight with an open heart. Pass it before us. All right. I'm excited about getting to preach the word again tonight. I, 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 I just, I do like it. I, I enjoy myself. I don't know if the Lord realized completely what he was doing when he put that call on me. I'm kidding, he did. <laughs> I'm sure I knew what he was doing. Uh, but um, I am grateful for the call. And, I, you know, you don't never quit answering that, responding to what he's called you to do. You always have a burning desire and want to do what he has purposed for you. And so I get to do this uh, uh, and do it in an effort to honor and to glorify and lift up his name. So uh, with a great group of folks. Man, I love Evangel. You guys are great. We've had a great time. But Jerry, you've done a super job developing and growing a church. We showed up. There was wreaths on the doors. I mean, there's Christmas stuff happening, you know. I mean, that's every preacher's dream. People do work. I, I'm being honest with you, I don't make fun. I mean, that's every preacher's dream to have people who want to work and do stuff. 
Amen. I mean, just, and that's what, how awesome. You guys are great. Uh, I was talking with um, the laser man in the back. Uh, and that's Riley, by the way. Uh, and he was talking about, we were just discussing, I started a conversation, I think, with Brother Roy, and, and, and it sort of went towards Riley because he was standing there with us, and he took the conversation over, which probably was normal. But, uh, uh, and we were discussing the live stream and how many people are viewing it. How awesome. You guys, uh, and I'm sure it's been going on, you know, prior to this, but uh, you got a great group that are listening, watching, trying to connect. And listen, this whole thing's about just connecting with God. Amen. Uh, we want to we wanna connect with him. We want to be uh, uh, with him. And, and we come to find out he wants to be with us more. Isn't that awesome? Um, I'm going to take you back to some scripture. We're going to get tonight, we're going to get right back into where we were, which was the idea of seek, seeking. Uh, what does it look like? What does it mean? How, what impact does it have on us? I'm going to pull a verse from this morning that I didn't share, I didn't give to my team, so it's, I'm going to just quote it back to you, give it back to you. It's from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Good job. Uh, which means God is with us. So we looked at and focused our attention today on the idea of this, this, this middle word, this word initially that, was, that we pulled out that had to do God with us. Uh, and, and, and the idea that that word, what it means to us, what it has uh, as far as its intent and how it really led us to the idea of God's presence and the desire of God to be with us and his presence to be with us. Um, so tonight's going to take a different turn. I'm going to start off by saying, isn't Christmas amazing? Isn't the Christmas story one of the greatest stories of all? Amen. Um, but how many of you have lived a story that you would rewrite if you could? Just let that simmer and think for a minute. I mean, I'm not saying it'd be super big changes, but I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd probably change the theme a little bit, change the characters possibly. Somebody say amen. I love my sister, but y'all. Uh, make the storyline different. I'm kidding about my sister. I love her. Uh, make the storyline different. Make Maybe change the ending a little bit. Uh, all for the right cause. For the right cause. Somebody say amen. All for the right cause, right? I mean, we, don't, we change it because we think we know the right cause. We think, oh, I know exactly how this should go. Uh, and I understand there's an author and finisher of my faith. I understand that. The scripture tells me that. There's literally, there is someone. So this is an interpretation of that thought. There is someone who is writing his story through my life. That's what that says. He is the author and finisher of my faith. He is writing his story through my life in my world. 
And my world has now looped into and expanded into your world. So we're together now living out our lives that he has intended and he's writing his story right now through us. But I do have those moments when I'd write the story a little different. So I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you first a story about this farmer one time. This, this story was, it's a story of a farmer who, whose family experienced incredibly difficult loss. It's a true story. I was reading it from a pastor several years back talking about this event that happened. This farming family lost their two young children within a couple of years of each other. And the pastor at the second one passing told the story about how he went to him and he was trying to figure out, what do I say? What do I do? You know, I mean, this is difficult. They've lost two of their small children. This is hard. I mean, I, I mean, it's difficult to lose anyone. Uh, but it's more, even more difficult when you lose a child. Uh, and so upon hearing this guy's story and just knowing what all had happened, the pastor was trying to figure out how to navigate that. And he made a statement, if it were me, he makes this statement in the presence of the father. He says, if it were me, I would have written this story differently. To which the father of the two children that had passed makes this statement. I don't know why this all happened, but I don't have to. <coughs> then he proceeded to say, sometimes, some, sometimes I think of the story in the Old Testament where God gave Hezekiah 15 more years of life because he prayed for him. Y'all know the story, possibly. And if Hezekiah had died at first, Manasseh would have never been born. But the Bible says of Manasseh, Manasseh led the Israelites to do even more evil than all the heathen nations around them. So what evil could have been avoided had God not granted Hezekiah's request? <laughs> wow. You ever thought about that? I mean, have you ever thought about the things that could have happened? Or that would have happened? I mean, I, I've read that story before, but never that way. Never thought about it that way. I always read about Hezekiah, and I think it's awesome God had it. And then I read about Manasseh, and I, I think, oh, gosh, how horrible. Um, but being a person like I am, I want to know. He didn't want to know why, but I'm different. Most of us are We want to know why. Why? Why is this happening? Why are they saying that? Why are they doing that? Why? Why did God do this? Why didn't he do this? Why? Why? By the way, Manasseh was 12 when his father died, and he took over the kingdom and ran it for 50 years, which means, which means what? Which means he was born three years after God spared Hezekiah. So God knew it. <laughs> you know, God knew what was going to happen. You want to think God wouldn't let that happen, but you, because here's the thought. How many of you think the Israelites would have rewritten that story? Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, we all have stories in our life. There's parts of it, our life story, there's parts of our life story we'd like to edit. Amen? When God is with us, he's the missing link that connect everything in our story to his purpose. You listening to me? When God is with us, he's the missing link that connects everything in our story to his purpose. And I'm going to show you that to you in scripture, okay? So that you're sure and you're clear tonight that your story 
has God in it right now. Okay? So we're going to go to Ruth chapter 2. If you want to turn in your Bible, you can. I'm going to take my jacket off and warm again. Uh, we're going to go to verse 1. And we're going to start off there, and it says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Now I'll give you the backstory on this in just a minute. We're just going to read the scripture, and then we'll go back into it, okay? Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself walking in a field that belonged to Boaz, a relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. And the harvesters replied, the Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. And the harvesters replied, the Lord bless you. I'm just hot-natured, brother. You ain't got to say anything good. I'm good. About time you got up and No, I'm waiting until you walked out of there. Sorry. Roy, I got to get a shot at Roy every time I can. Y'all know that? So Boaz calls out and says, the Lord be with you. By the way, pay attention to this. Now watch this. The Lord be with you. Which translated means, come, Emmanuel. Okay, ride this with me now. Let's go. Okay, y'all ready? The Lord be with you, which means, come, Emmanuel. Or Emmanuel, come. He said either way. Don't know why that's important, but it always says it like that. So I'm going to give you both the option. It's an interesting greeting to me. Boaz and Ruth, they I'm just quick story, fall in love. Boaz and Ruth fall in love, have children, the rest is history. Bah, 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 bah. I don't know, I don't know where you met your spouse. Got some information today, though. I was pretty cool. We had this conversation. I'm just, I'm going pretty this is in my notes. It's in my notes, brother. This is in my notes. It's awesome. I come find out there's folks in here, you know, who met, and the guys all thought the women was chasing them. I think it's an awesome thing because we are all like that. We, you know, too proud to admit we got to have companionship. Oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to just keep moving. Okay. I don't know where you met your spouse, but even if it's in church, I bet your pickup line wasn't, the Lord be with you. I'm just saying. That probably just didn't, I mean, I, I, wasn't mine, wasn't my go-to. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I didn't, I didn't throw out, the Lord be with you. The significance of this moment in their story is this. This is the first time they see each other and come Emmanuel are the first words to Ruth. Now remember, I'm not writing this story, God's writing this story. Okay, so this is cool. You just stay with me, so well, let's watch this. So let's jump out of 11, let's jump out 1,100 years forward, okay? Y'all go with me. Boom. We just transported right into it. And we look at the part of the Bible we typically skip when reading. Uh, it's called the genealogy. Somebody say amen. We just, you know, genealogy. Come on, guys. That's Matthew 1. Like, you don't want to pick up read Matthew until you get over there around 18, 17. You just, I mean, why? Because it's the genealogy. 
This one beget, 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 this one. So what we have is, thank you so much. What we have is this genealogy, and I'd suggest that each of those names, okay, so just, I think we read too quick sometimes. I'm very bad at this, so I have to go back and think about what I read. So even in the genealogy, I think we read too many times so fast through things that we miss that those names, the na- those people named represent a lifetime of joy and sorrow. They represent a lifetime of dreams and disappointment. They represent a lifetime, generation after generation of names that are listed to get to the story Matthew wants us to hear. So he gives us all these words to get to the story. So I'm going to just grab just a little piece of it. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. We're going to pull that one out. We're going to lay it out in front of us. Here we go. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. You know where we're headed, right? So it's interesting that Boaz and Ruth were the great-grandparents of King David, which is pretty cool. Matthew, I'm not going to read any more of the genealogy. I'm going to jump to verse 18. Go there with me if you got your Bible. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she shall have a son. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God is with us. So, I'll push and tie this all together. Just say, well, we got like boxes spread everywhere we're trying to unpack. Okay, so we're going to start organizing it now. You ready? So the virgin birth is one of the most beautiful things in Scripture. It symbolizes God's sovereignty. Okay, that's, I mean, it shows us the sovereign power of the Most High. We hold as believers, as not just because we're assembly of God or Pentecost, we hold as believers, anyone, Anyone who believes in the message of the Gospels, holds to the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death on the cross for us, was raised on the third day, and is seated at the right hand of God now making intercession for us. It's what we celebrate as followers of Christ. We have Christmas not to give gifts, but to celebrate the greatest gift of all. We experience Good Friday because of what took place. We worship and celebrate Easter because of what took place. We we celebrate all this stuff. 
But to those involved in that day, get, get, get this with me now. To those involved in that day, it was not very beautiful. This was a mess. Gossip was rampant. To the point that Joseph considered getting out of the relationship. Stay with me now. Okay. So he's, he's at this point. I mean, he's getting ready to get married. Word is she's pregnant. He knows it ain't by him. And so he's considering what I, okay, what I do. So, so here's my word tonight. Miracles are messy. Miracles are messy. There's nothing simple or convenient about miracles. We all pray what? Oh, Lord, I need a miracle. <laughs> you do realize what you're asking for. I mean, we read the Bible and think, the story is so sweet, so perfect. When there's nothing sweet about the emotional struggle Joseph was in. There's nothing sweet about the emotional and physical struggle Mary found herself in. There's nothing sweet about the uncertainty their families felt. There's nothing sweet about the looks they were getting, the attitudes they were picking up from people. I mean... What was she thinking? Come on, somebody. I mean, see, because it's complicated. Life's complicated. I mean, I mean, miracles are complicated. If we were honest about it, life stories are complicated. Your life has been complicated. Come on, my my life story, our, my and David's life story has been complicated. It got easier for me when I married Debbie. It didn't, y'all. Let's be honest. She got nine brothers and sisters. It's a nightmare. Goodness. Y'all thought I was, I mean, come on. She'll admit it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to talk about her family. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about children. Are they not the most sweet things? I mean, they are the sweet, children are the sweet, grandchildren, grandchildren. We finally got a grandchild. Grandchild, so sweet. They are the miracle of miracles, right? But are they not the most complicated things? Oh, Jesus, I'm fixing to preach. Y'all get ready. I love my boys. I thank God for my boys. I thank God for the girl that we raised. We got our boys at birth. We got, we got Ginger at 16 years of age after her mom had been killed by her dad. So we got, we, I mean, the boys, I'll talk more about the boys than anybody. The boys were amazing. They were amazing until that day that we had that little stroller thing that Matt had been given when he was a little bitty child. We were in that mobile home behind the house, behind the church we were, we were uh, uh, pastoring at. And I looked up, and he'd gone down the hall and back and in the carpet left and right and had just stuff pouring out of his diapers. That's right. I mean, they messy, y'all. They messy. If you had boys, you know the first time the ceiling got soaked. They messy. Changing that diaper. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They messy. So I'm being honest with y'all. And let's just talk about life. Let's just talk about the truth about this. You remember the first time they threw up in the car? Oh, come on. 
Oh, I'm getting some amens in the back over here, too. Come on. Woo! Listen, listen. They embarrass us in the crowd, break something valuable, get in trouble at school, get a speeding ticket. You've got to be kidding me. I'm taking that car away for life. They skipped school. They went on their first date. They had to have money. They had to have money. Did I mention they had to have money? Come on. Come on, help me. So, so you understand there's a price to pay to parent the miracle God gives you. Oh, now, y'all are walking into this blind. You get what I'm saying, though. Miracles are messy. Miracles are messy. I think like Joseph, many of us, we want to divorce ourselves from the very situation God's placed us in. Be simpler, neater, easier, cleaner. So we divorce ourselves from the situations that would complicate or inconvenience us. We divorce ourselves from church because somebody said something wrong, hurt us. We divorce ourselves from friends because they've offended us. We divorce ourselves from a life partner because they've cheated on us. We divorce ourselves from our dreams because we don't think it could, we could handle the disappointment if it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen. We divorce ourselves from people, places, and things and never see the miracle God intends for us. So here's the question. What if Joseph had done what he had a mind to do? He would have missed fathering the Son of God. Now I'm trying to, I want you to find yourself in this. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying this is, this is truth. So let's walk in this and let's, let's sort through it now. We got a bunch unpacked. Let's sort through it and see where God is in it. Because my point is simple. You got to stay in the mess to see the miracle. I mean, we had to clean Matt up that first time. We had to clean him up. It wasn't fun. We had to clean him up, though. We had to, we had to, we had to father him through the, through the early years. We had to father him through school. I'll never forget the first time our youngest, got, we got the call from the, from, the, from the school, and they said, we need you to come in. We need to have a discussion. The teachers did. They said, we want to we, we talk with you about some, some words that your son is written down don't tell him he called somebody that yeah yeah that's right he called him on the playground but he had to write it down because you remember well i didn't think i mean i think it's okay it doesn't you don't think so so i go in for the meeting i'm saying it I go in for the meeting, and I said, what's the problem? They said, what's the problem? Well, this is Miles. This is Miles. Like, maybe that, t maybe like this. I mean, what was he, 11, 9? No. No, he was first grade, yeah. 
Look, I don't have all the details. I just remember the key point. <laughs> and the key point was this. They said, your son said, mutters, F-O-C-K-E-R, to someone. He called him that. I don't know why I spelled that. There's a movie we've all watched named The Fockers. And I looked at him, I said, what's wrong with that? Well, don't you know what that means? I said, I don't know. Tell me. And she got embarrassed and turned red. I said, does it mean something that I don't know, that I don't understand? I mean, what does it mean? Because it's just talking about mud and some other, I don't know. So I was really mean. <laughs> I was, wasn't I? I was mean. I should have been nicer than that. But I wanted to force her hand. I had to, that teacher's been on my boy all year. I mean, it'd been one of those bad years, it seemed like. And it seemed like she had picked Miles out to be to, to, to call out. So when she gave me that, I'd give it back. Give me the word. Tell me what. Well, you know what that means. Tell me what it means. I want to know what it means. And so we locked horns for a little while and fought like two bucks in the room. And, <laughs> and it got past it. It's messy. He's getting married January 2nd, by the way. He's a worship leader at a church that has four campuses. God's using him mightily. <laughs> and he's a little cusser when he's young. <laughs> I got story after story about my boys cussing. I ain't telling them all, but anyway. <laughs> oh, they didn't learn it from me. I'm not saying they learned it from me. I just want you to hear there's a... It's a mess. Life's a mess. You got life story that'll match that or is better. We all do. All I'm saying is, it's when we find ourselves in a situation where we get uncomfortable because it's not going the way we think it should go, and we want to divorce ourselves or we want to get out of it, then we we need God to do something in us. So the bigger question is, it, the bigger issue is. In that point, you got to stay in the mess to see the miracle. The question becomes, how do you know if you're in a miracle situation? How do you know if you're in a miracle situation? How do I know this is a miracle I'm walking through and not just some nightmare? Matthew 1, 19, 20, Joseph, her fiance, was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take marriage away, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. How does that apply? My answer to the question, how do you know if you're in a miracle situation, is this. Are you in this situation because God conceived it? Are you in this situation because God conceived it? Is the moment we're in right now a God-conceived moment? Or is the situation that you're trying to live through right now a God-conceived situation? Did it, so I have two questions, two thoughts. Number one, did it start right? Did it start right? Is that fair to ask? 
I mean, you know if the situation you're in was conceived in sin, and if it was, then I, I've, I've got a response to you for that. My advice to you, if the, if the situation you're in was conceived in the beginning out of sin, out of personal drive, out of, out of uh, in conflict, uh, uh, in stubbornness, and rebellion, and any of those things, my advice is if you're afforded the opportunity to get out of the sinful situation. Fair? Confess it, repent, get out. But if those situations, but for those situations that are conceived by God, those things that God is in, brought together by God, ordained by God, you believe where you started was God ordained and conceived, stay in it. Stay the course. Do his will in your situation. Submit to him. Yield to him. Trust him. You'll see God move in amazing ways if you hang on. You've got to hang on. Don't, don't just... I mean, it's like I go back to the children. Don't just dump them off on somebody else. Live through it. Write a story through it. Look at that. So, so look at the story that's in the genealogy. We're going to go back to it. Matthew 1, 5 and 6. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. So here we go. We got everything scattered. We pulled a little bit together. We're fixing to organize it. Before Mary made her trip to Bethlehem, Ruth made her trip to Bethlehem. You with me? It said, it, according to all that I could find, it, it's estimated that it's like a 50-mile trip, uh, and it'd take approximately 10 days to make the journey from uh, where they were to Bethlehem. So the circumstances that caused her to make this trip were awful. I'm going to go back, pick that up, and plug it into the story. Her father-in-law, this is Ruth's father-in-law, the, the husband um, to Naomi, her father-in-law passed and the families in grief at his loss when Ruth and her sister's husband, two brothers, two brothers are both suddenly, they pass. We don't know the story. Uh, uh, the way it's mentioned, you may, it, it, it makes you think they died together. It's like they pass suddenly and together. So I, I don't know, car wreck. That was a joke. <laughs> Y'all let that one go right over your head. Battle. So there was battle, accident of some type, an illness that struck them, whatever it was. But all three are gone suddenly. So now the Naomi's husband, the father-in-law to Ruth, and then his two sons, who were husbands of these two young ladies are gone. And now it's just Naomi and the, and the girl. Deep grief. It's so sad that Naomi no longer wants to be called Naomi. You know the story. What does Naomi want? She requests to be called Mara, which means bitter, bitter, bitter. I don't imagine she woke up with a smile on her face. Let's think about it. Let's put our feet in her. Let's put our feet in her shoes. You know, 
She probably didn't wake up with a smile on her face. She probably woke up pretty upset, pretty bitter, pretty sad, pretty overwhelmed. I mean, no, no man to provide in that day. It was rough. It was tough. It's tough today. I mean, it's hard today. Their lives seem to be coming to an end. Uh, Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem. She comes to this point that she thinks the best for me would be go back to Bethlehem. And she instructs her daughter-in-laws, y'all need to stay in Moab. You need to find yourselves some husbands and you need to start over. Which made sense, at least to one of them. But Ruth says, no, I'm going with you. And the passion for her, the passion of her love for, 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 uh, uh, for Naomi, her, her, Ruth's love for Naomi comes out, and, and, and it's pretty, it's, it's a famous passage. I'm going to read it to you. I'll go wherever you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I will die where you die, and I will be buried there. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. What a powerful statement. What a commitment. Listen closely to the next statement. Wouldn't it have been easier for Ruth to just divorce herself from this situation? Why stick it out? Why go through the struggle? Why? Why? I want to know why. I told you all in the beginning, I want to know the why. I want to I understand that. She stays with Naomi. Stay with me. She leads her back to Bethlehem and back to the store where she Gleaning from the field. So we're back there. She's gleaning from the field. What happens? Up comes Boaz. He makes a statement. What does he say? The, the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Come, Emmanuel. Boom. Something happens. Who is that guy? They fall in love. They have a child named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. Do you, do you remember what Boaz said to Ruth? The Lord be with you. Come, Emmanuel. Here's the question. Do you think Boaz realized when he made that statement, some 27 generations later, the Lord would be with them? No way he knew that. Because, I mean, Great, 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 great grandparents. That's who they were. No way they knew it. No way he understood it. No way could he see the hand of God. Does it matter if you stay in Moab or go to Bethlehem? I'm asking you. Does it matter if you start over or should you fulfill your commitment? What difference does it make if you divorce yourself from your situation and start over or if you stick with it and see what God does? Ruth stays committed because she knows it's where she belongs. Is there a situation you're tempted to divorce yourself from? And was that situation conceived by God? And if the answer is yes, then yes, it matters. Yes. It can make all the difference in the world 
for those present and those still to come. We never think in those terms. We think about today. We mourn over yesterday. We fear tomorrow. But man, according to this story, it can make a difference in eternity. So my thought is, many of us don't know our, I mean, let me tell this story. A lot of you don't know the story about Ginger coming to live with us. She was 16. Some of you don't even realize we raised a girl. Um, it's not a story we tell a lot. We share a lot. We talk about a lot. Um, the circumstances were horrible. The outcome was uncertain. The cost was enormous on us. But If, if it was given to us, we would have rewritten the story. We thought by taking her, we were rewriting the story in some ways. We were trying to. We were doing, but in truth, we were just obeying God. It was what was put before us. Debbie and I, I've defined us as rescuers. We, we love to rescue. We love to, to, to jump in and rescue. That's, buddy, that's costly, by the way. It's costly. But, man, God give us a heart for it. So we can go back to that. We can go back before it. We can go after it. We can talk about people. I'm not after that. I, I'm not doing it for us. I'm just saying to you, her life was forever changed. Our lives were forever changed through the circumstances, the situation she went through. Uh, our family had to function in a completely different fashion. I, not to go into those details, I just want to say this. We decided we would not divorce ourselves from the situation we found ourselves and we committed ourselves to trust God in that moment and by doing that today she's married to an amazing man they have three incredible children they're serving in full-time ministry and that's a miracle considering the circumstances a miracle one of the one of the messiest times in our lives one of the messiest times in our life became one of the most fulfilling times. Um, miracles do not come in nice, clean, easy-to-manage packages. They ain't messy when, when they're born. Miracles happen when we, like the farmer, say, I don't have to understand I don't have to know the outcome. Even though I would probably write the story different if I were writing it, I'm not writing it. He is, and I trust him. Can you say that? If we're coming into a season of celebration of the birth of Christ and we see the miracle of the birth, but man, it's, we, let's be honest. There's so much torn in between the lines when we read the, the story. There's so much heartache, so much struggle, so much uncertainty. I mean, can you imagine getting pregnant and never sleeping with a man? How, how overwhelming that must have been for Mary. Can you imagine how Joseph must have felt when he was told by Mary, I'm, I'm praying? 
and how it bears the family must have been and how the community must have looked at them and all the things that happened. But yet, when a miracle, when a, when, when a situation is conceived by God, a miracle's in the making. A miracle's in the making. Well, what about it? Mary said to the angel, May it be to me as you have said. Can we pray that prayer tonight? Can we say that to the Holy Spirit tonight? Can we come to a point tonight that in our lives, where we are, that we say, Lord, may it be to me as you have said. Can you, in the situation you're in tonight, whatever it is, can you look at that and, and instead of come up with every reason to get out of it, can you take time to honestly evaluate it and say, this is a God thing. God conceived this. I believe he did. And if you can say that, can you say, Lord, may it be to me as you have said. I, I believe you began it. I believe you will finish it. I believe you are with me beginning to end. I'm trusting you. Man, that's... That's where it's at, y'all. That's where life is. That's where the newness of every letter and every word of every sentence of every paragraph of every page of the story that you're writing right now. May it be to me as you have said, Lord. May it be to me as you have said. I trust you. Will you trust God in the middle of your circumstance? Let's pray. Father, we just take this moment. God, we just, we just have to sort of stop everything and, and open our hearts and open our minds and open our spirit tonight to, to you and your presence. And we, we have to say, Lord, search me, try me. See if there's anything in me that's hindering the miracle, that's keeping the situation that you've conceived from being fulfilled. If I've backed away, if I've decided I want out, if, I've, if I'm looking for a way to rewrite this, God, I, it's not my story. It's your story through me. It's what you're trying to do in me and through me, God. The story of the birth of Christ is one of the clearest pictures that a miracle is messy. The miracle of life eternal that we have today, the, the power of transformation and regeneration that takes place in our life today is because Jesus died on the cross bearing the punishment for our sin, it's messy. And if I'm walking, if I believe I'm walking in your will, if any one of us are in a place tonight where we believe we're in your will, then we have to say, not do this or do that, Lord. We have to say, I trust you. I trust you, Lord.
My life is in your hands. Be it to me as you have said. Be it to me as you have said. Lord, we need you to speak to us. Lord, there are people in this room tonight that will listen online that need you to speak to them, that need you to show up in their circumstances and the situation they're in and either confirm with them, this was born out of something I wasn't involved in and it's a mess now because I'm not in it. And that way they can say, Lord, forgive me, I repent, I'm turning, I'm turning, I'm turning to you. Or they need to say, Lord, I believe you placed this in my life and this situation is conceived by you. And though it's not working the way I thought it would, I trust you. I trust you. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to the words that I've declared and the life that I've purposed because I believe you placed it in me. So I surrender all. I surrender my plans. I surrender my relationships. I surrender everything to you. My responses. Search us, Father. Search us. Try us. Test us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome. In this place. In this place. Listen, if God's speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit is pulling or tugging on something in your heart tonight, you need to make a place of, of altar, a surrender, a place of change. You want to come to this altar. I want to open it up. I want us to spend about the next 10 minutes just surrendering and yielding. I'll come. I'll probably place my hand on you and pray for you. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I want you to just come. You can come stand. I'm just going to agree with anyone who comes up here that, God, you do the miracle. We will survive the mess. That's what I'm agreeing with you over. That God will finish and complete the miracle and that you're going to make it, that you're going to survive the mess that, that it is, the, the work that's involved, the challenges that you face, that you're going to make it. If you're in this place, I want to invite you to come. Barry's about to sing. Just find a place and let, all, let an altering experience happen. Let him alter in you whatever it is that might be standing in the way, that might be holding back, that might have reservations. Hallelujah. Christ, my only Lord, the joy of my salvation. This whole 